Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel, and every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us again. I don't know about you, Dr. Linda, but it seems like about a week ago we were here doing this program. Because <laughs> we were. <laughs> Has it been a week already? <laughs> you know, yes, that's what happens when it's a weekend program. <laughs> good point. You make a very, very good point. I do have a question for you, though. Sometimes I feel like... I am taking something on with a full steam, 110%, go at it all the way. And with that in mind, I do have this question for you. Has there ever been anything that you really wanted to do and you decided you would pursue it wholeheartedly? I think really going after my Ph.D. Mm-hmm. would have been something that you have to go after wholeheartedly or you don't get to the end. <laughs> so right. that's really important. But there are other things in my life. I write a lot of books, and I would, mm-hmm. you know, I want them to be bestsellers. So that's something that I would wholeheartedly pursue and go after and do the things that need to be done. Uh, Norm and I opened a business, and that takes a lot of gung-ho <laughs> going after. It was a fruit stand, right? <laughs> yeah. Selling jellies and jams, that type yeah, of thing? Don't email me for the fruit <laughs> based on what Chris is saying. I think even in your personal life, there's an mm-hmm. ambition that I have that I would really like to raise well-adjusted and healthy kids. Right. I've got some time to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they turn out okay. But. So do you have anything like that? Uh, I mean, other than family, is there anything that you've felt that you really wanted to get and go after? It's funny you mentioned this. I'll, I'll narrow this down to one event. At our old house, we built a new kitchen. I have a knack for building things, you know. Yeah. And uh, we needed to get this kitchen finished. And for about a week, it was 18 degrees at night. And oh. I was out there with lights on getting our kitchen built. Finally, Sharon says, uh, you seem to be fairly well motivated to get this kitchen done. So there, there was some ambition there for sure. So she'll remember that whenever she needs something else from you. <laughs> no more it kitchens. It is possible. <laughs> I've seen it. It's beautiful. Uh, you did no, a great job. Well, that's the last one. No, no more kitchens for me. That's, <laughs> that's for a sure. a big job. Well, obviously on today's program, we're talking about ambition. And it's something that Christians seem to struggle with because, you know, we're concerned. We don't want to self-promote. We want to remain humble in all we do. And I think there's a really fine balance between ambition and staying humble and even serving others, which Mm. is a a part of the Christian walk. So the question is, can you be ambitious and can you still please God? Or is ambition just really self-serving? We've never done a show on ambition before. I think we need a godly perspective on the role of ambition in our lives because it's so easy to let ambition just sweep you away. That's right. When I was preparing for this show, Chris, I was really thinking about the things that we were going to talk about. You know, I was looking up the godly perspective on this and and thinking about the way that culture positions ambition in lives. And it really was challenging to me. Mm. And And I started to think, you know, this is something that goes all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They were tempted in the garden to be like God. And have you ever thought of that as maybe related somehow to ambition? The temptation had to do with them wanting to be like God. As it turns out, it didn't didn't go very well. 
No, and that could be an ambition that people could think about, mainly because it wasn't a godly ambition. I mean, it was directly opposed. What Satan was doing was tempting them in an area that was directly opposing Mm. what God wanted for their lives. And it was a selfish ambition, because think about Satan. One of the reasons he got kicked out of heaven is because he was very self-ambitious. Right. He wanted to be greater than God. So we can contrast that when we think about the story of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14. In the context, they were in Lystra, and a lame man who had never walked was listening to Paul speak at the temple. And Paul noticed him, and Acts says, Paul saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Hmm. Now, right there and then, Paul healed a lame man who was crippled from birth, And the crowd just goes crazy when he does that. The scripture says they began to worship Paul and Barnabas as if they were Greek gods in human forms, calling them Zeus and Hermes. Well, they were instant celebrities. To think of Paul and Barnabas as gods, let's think about this. Zeus was the king of the Greek gods. He was the big guy. He was the head guy. They were calling Paul Zeus, putting him up there with him. And Hermes was the son of Zeus, and he was a messenger. The crowds who saw the healing saw these two as present-day rock stars. That's right. But let me read what Paul and Barnabas did as a response to all of that, because their response really gives us an idea of how we need to handle ambition. So this is from Acts 14. Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. Even with these words, the scripture says, Chris, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. (laughs) They just didn't get it, did they? No, it would be so tempting after an event like that. I mean, they saw this incredible healing of this man. Let's see, we were the ones who did the healing. Hmm. We might start thinking, hey, i got a big ministry. Right. I can go on the air. I can do all these things. I could get really ambitious and make a name for myself. But they resisted all the praise and the accolades that were given to them, and they gave the glory to God. And that's what's so counter in our culture today. People just don't act like that. We, we make everyone famous. Or we make them out to be a celebrity, and we elevate them to do something miraculous or accumulate wealth or have things that signal success. Most of the time, people who achieve some level of success were either highly ambitious or became highly ambitious. I would say ambition is desired and valued in our world, and we live in an age of, like we've said, self-promotion. But ambition isn't wrong in and of itself, is it? No, and that's what we really got. We need to make sure that we say, because it's the heart motive. We kind of said this a little bit earlier, but the difference is what's in your heart. So the question to ask is, Are you doing this for yourself, to make yourself great, or are you doing this to bring glory to God based on the gifts and the talents that God has given you? There's a real difference in that motivation. So let me get this straight. You're saying self-ambition is to be avoided, and ambition aimed at doing good is healthier and godly. It's a healthier and godly way to view ambition. Uh, Explain the difference a little more. Well, let's look at two different definitions of ambition. So in the secular world, ambition is, and this is a definition from a dictionary, an intense drive for success or power, a desire to achieve honor, wealth, or fame. So to be ambitious in the worldly sense is essentially to determine, you know what, i got to have more than my neighbor. <laughs> it's, it's a motto of, he with the most toys wins. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. yeah, ambition strives to be number one. 
But in the Bible, the word ambition takes on a whole new dimension. Listen to this reference using the word ambition. This is from 1 Thessalonians. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Now, in this case, Chris, quiet has to do with contentment. Mm. So it isn't saying you can never say anything. But boy, that is certainly not how we define success in America. I would agree 100%. It's completely against the way we just define success in this country. Secular ambition is about trying to get the most or get more than others. And that's counter from biblical directives. So Philippians says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. And you know, if you look at the celebrity culture or the sports culture or even the business world, it's all about really conceit and bragging about your accomplishments. It's about being the best. The Apostle Paul says more about ambition. He says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. It's right there. That's what our ambition is supposed to be, to be pleasing to him. The Greek word for ambition, I think it's philotim. Now, don't quote me. Don't you all use Greek scholars. Quote (laughs) me, because I don't know if that's right. But it literally means to esteem as an honor. So the aim of our ambition is supposed to be to please God in all that we do. See, the problem is when we esteem or honor ourselves by feeling important with a bigger house, expensive cars, luxury items, and such, None of that is really about pleasing God. Right. So the Bible doesn't say ambition is wrong. So, again, we're going to make that point. But the objective is to be accepted by Christ, not by the world. Christ taught us that in order to be first in the kingdom of God, you remember what he said, Chris? We have to be you have to be a, a servant. servant. Right. That's right. And the biblical idea of ambition really clashes, like we've said, with the secular because God doesn't care much for pride. And self-importance and glorifying ourselves. I know this is so counter to the culture we live in, isn't mm, it? When it we're is. saying these things, it's like I'm thinking about how celebrity everything right. is and how glorified all this is. And Jesus really warns us about the temptation to allow this type of selfish ambition to rule us. And this is what he said in Luke. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose his soul? But it's really a warning not to chase the material things or power in this world at the expense of other people or at the expense of glorifying God in your life. Right, I would say so. And the takeaway from this part of the show is to understand the difference between godly and secular ambition. It has to do with the heart. What is our motive, and who are we trying to impress and please? Right now, I have an ambitious goal to get us into the first break. So stay with us as we talk more about the proper role of ambition in our lives on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment, and it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the relationship doctor, and yes, I'll admit it, I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best offense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness just plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, and remind yourself that the current task will be completed, you'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance comes to overcommit, it comes your way, you can work on your priorities by just saying... Hey, no. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we're talking about ambition 
and the role it should or should not play in the life of a Christian. And before we continue that conversation, I want to remind you to go to Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you will find her blogs and ways to connect with Dr. Linda on social media. I also encourage you to sign up for her free e-newsletter that comes out once a month. And uh, getting back to our topic today, Dr. Linda, on ambition, God knows what a problem ambition can be, or he wouldn't have spoken about it so many times in the scriptures. I know. He really knows our heart, doesn't he? And we always have to be checking our motive Hmm. in all of this because it's so easy to get caught up. And I think he gave us these stories in the Bible to really help us relate to that. So there's a great story where Paul addresses really the fallout of selfish ambition when he tells Timothy, those who desire to be rich fall into a snare. So while John says that all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is in the world. What he's doing is he's identifying the source, Chris. Mm. It's our human nature, our human flesh, that really wants to engage in selfish ambition. You know, and we have the story of how Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness by, uh, he was appealing to his human nature. He was, and the, the story tells us that Satan took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And then he says to him, all this is what I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And let's not forget, it was the devil's ambition that led him to rebel against God and eventually get kicked out of heaven. So he had that in his heart, and he was trying to tempt Jesus in the same way. You know, a lot like Satan, we don't seem to learn our lesson from this, do we? I know. That's (laughs) what's really sad. We're still having to talk about this. Right. We just continually just keep pushing the issue. For all the biblical talk about meekness and, and being humble, it seems like the ambitious people are laying claim to the earth quite successfully, and not just in the secular world, but also in ministries and churches. And this is a a dangerous topic. Yeah, so we might step on a few toes here, but I I do think we have to raise the point because we have to be careful in the church of our motives. We can go to church and not be all that different Mm. from the secular culture in certain areas. And I think this is one of those areas where if our motive, again, isn't right, we're going to get in trouble here. We can go back to the, the life of Paul again and see that, he really is pushing this issue of mm. godly character. And he says that the selfish part of you that's ambitious for yourself and then trying to glorify God, he's telling us, Chris, those two can't really go together. So when Paul was Saul before his conversion, right, he was a very highly ambitious person. I mean, he believed in his heart that he was doing the right thing to persecute Christians. And so he was quite good at what he did. <laughs> he had purpose. He had huge credentials. He probably would have photos, or you think, with famous people when he oh, was yeah. doing it, if it had been this time and age. He probably would have had newspaper clippings of his success. So he was a rising religious star. Lots of uh, Facebook followers, like you said. Yeah, he would have. A big would Instagram have. account, of course. But God confronts Paul's ambition on the road to Damascus, of course. And he basically says, why are you doing this? Referring, of course, to his persecution. That's when everything changes. Yeah, and so what happens is God gets right to Saul's motives. The why question that you just asked. And Paul was so off base as a religious, ambitious man that God had to say, hey, hey, you think you are doing something good? But what is at the heart of all of this that you're doing? And God brings him back to his senses. He's not leading a religious crusade. Rather, he's fighting against God and hurting himself in the process. But what really stands out to me in that whole story, Chris, is that after Paul's conversion, his ambition and drive stay with him. He still has the ambition, but it's redirected in in certain ways. Uh, He's driven to preach the gospel, for one, uh, build the church, and then to bring glory to God. And that is key. His ambition is now driven by community 
and God-given goals in the company of friends. He was in a group fasting, praying. His ambition was aimed at serving God's purposes, not his own purposes. And his friends were at, uh, you know, kind of an accountability group for him, probably checking on him and Mm. making sure that his motives stayed right. But it's a switch, and it's a really important switch that he makes. He's focusing on Christ, and we have to ask, why did God do this? So why did he make that conversion to mm, him? Right. And I, I think that's it. The focus of his ambition was on the wrong stuff. It was on being this very successful persecutor. But now he talks about his longing for Christ. So he was still ambitious, but the object of his ambition changed. He says his gain is Christ and to know him and to press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called him. So Everything after that point was secondary to knowing Christ. His ambition really was to know Christ. This is convicting, isn't it? Do we really examine our motives all the time like that? Mm. Do we sit down and think about why we're doing what we're doing in the church? So this is a real shout-out to all of us that are part of a church. When we're doing things for God, are we doing them to really know Christ first? So if the motive is right, ambition can be good. For example, churches that want to grow because they see great need in their community. They're not displaying selfish ambition. Business owners who want to create employment opportunities and perhaps even solve local or national or global problems are probably not using selfish ambition. An office worker who aims to become her boss's boss at some point so that she can improve the, you know, awful working conditions that she and her colleagues have to bear is probably not struggling with an ambition problem. So all those examples you just gave, the the motive is what was really important in those, Mm, right? Right. It wasn't a church trying to just be a big church. It was a church that could reach the community. That's why their continued growth was important. So if you have a church that wants to grow in order to become known, or business people who seek relentless growth, no matter what the human cost, or workers who are motivated only by their next promotion, then the motivation really does become key. Selfish ambition really deprioritizes people, and it seeks its own fame and its wealth. A little success becomes a little addictive, causes us to chase more stuff, and then it turns into a mindset that we never saw coming, and we may not even see it if we don't stop and look at our motives. Our ambition can turn on a dime just like that. Well, when we come back from the break, more on how to develop a godly or even holy ambition and be all that God has called you to be right here on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. The news these days is full of so many sad, depressing, or downright frightening things that cause us to go through our days with frowns on our faces and a cloud over our hearts. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I've got a suggestion for you to help ward off the heaviness that you might be feeling. The Bible is clear. Laughter does good like a medicine. One clear antidote for heaviness is to increase the laughter in your life. While my friend was battling cancer, she made it a regular habit to watch all the wonderful old comedy movies she could find. Laughing with her husband allowed them both to enjoy a rush of endorphins and precious moments together. Now, I'm not telling you that laughter alone will solve everything, but it will clear out the gloom. Reading God's Word and living in His promise is our best armor. But having a good laugh every day will help keep your focus off those things you can't control. It'll cut down on your wrinkles and increase your trust in the God who rules your world and the world around you. The other day I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out. But I restrained myself knowing that yelling at the driver would not do so much good. And it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. 
Anger easily rises up in most of us. Anger, while a natural emotion, needs to be dealt with in the right way. The Bible tells us, be angry but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? Well, this is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. That small book has sold over 130,000 copies because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry but not sin, practice what Scripture teaches. Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness is available on my website, drlindamental.com, and online where books are sold. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books, blogs multiple times a week, so check out her books and her blogs on her website, drlindamental.com. You can also follow her on Twitter, at Dr. Linda Mental, and other social media as well. And today's program is about ambition. To have godly ambition doesn't mean that you settle or make peace with the humdrum. Instead, this is about a shift in perspective. And I'm thinking, Dr. Linda, about the parable of the talents. Yeah, that would be a good example, wouldn't it? That's found in Matthew 25, and this is where Jesus is teaching that ambition is a good thing when we use it for his glory. So again, he's making that distinction. If we have been given gifts from God, and all of us have, right? You and I have different gifts and abilities that God has given us. Small or great, it doesn't really matter. We need to use those gifts that he's given us to honor God and to do his work. So I like this quote from Diane Pattison. Chris, she was the global consultant for two Fortune 500 companies, and she wrote for Today's Christian Women's Digital Magazine. I subscribe to that, by you the do. way. Yes, of course. Today's Christian yeah. Women? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I learn new things about Chris all the time. But listen to what she wrote, because I think this really puts it in perspective. She says, ambition shouldn't be a dirty word. It doesn't have to entail sacrificing family or other good things. It is possible to balance career ambitions with life's other priorities like family and faith. It's important to remember that God made you. He built every piece of you. It's not an accident that you have the intelligence and the skills to excel in the professional world. These abilities were given to you by God to use for his service. Now, not everyone feels a strong desire to advance at work, but if you do, it means that God made you that way. Ambition is a gift, not a curse. It must be stewarded. It must be focused with care, but it shouldn't be crushed or ignored. Remember that God has a purpose for all of us. He has placed us in and works through our circumstances. He is prompting you toward success. So don't be afraid to follow the path that he's drawn for you. And most importantly, don't forget that he is the reason for it. <laughs> I don't think you can sum it up any better Isn't than that. Isn't that good? Quote. Right. The show's over now, We folks. should have interviewed her yeah. <laughs> for the <this laughs> show. Right. Call us, Diane. <laughs> right. You know, John Piper uses the phrase holy ambition to remind us that aim of ambition is holy and comes from God. Yeah, I, I love reading John Piper. Mm. I, he has a, a great blog called Desiring God. And the thing that he's saying here is that when we're moving in the calling of God, and this is what Diane was saying as well, that using our gifts to do what he has... Piper calls this holy ambition. 
And each of us, he says, has a distinct calling, and we need to use our gifts, very similar to what Diane is saying. And to do this, though, he's reminding us, Chris, that we have to stay in the Word, and we have to examine those motives, because as we've been talking about, it's just so easy to get caught up and to get into this whole way that the culture thinks. Mm. Piper says holy ambitions are always acts of love. Oh, I like that. Yeah. They're meeting people's needs, especially their greatest need for Christ. You know, we found three questions that will help all of us think more deeply about our ambitions and and help us decide if we're operating from the right motive. So let's ask those questions. The first one would be, am I seeing God clearly? Do we see God's hand in our lives? Do we know he orders everything for the accomplishment of his sovereign purposes? So asking that first question, am I seeing God clearly in this? In order to do that, you have to spend lots of time in prayer. I know. And in the Word. And And that's what Piper is saying as well. You know, when it comes to ambition, this isn't a question I think about at first. It seems like most times we feel it's up to us to make things happen. And we don't think about God and how he orders our steps. I know. And and we really are into a self-reliant culture Mm, in America. So you're right. We don't think that first. We don't think about what what God is. You know, are we seeing God in the whole process? And sometimes, you know what, we don't even like the way he orders our steps, if we're honest, right? Mm, Yeah, we (laughs) we complain. Yeah, we might think he, yeah, he's ordering them, but could you order them differently? Sometimes we want them to be ordered a little differently. But fortunately, he knows better than we do. I'm glad he can see in front of us. Yes. Because we can't see that far ahead. So first ask, do we see God clearly? The second question is, am I seeing myself clearly? Okay, so this really involves being honest with yourself and examining your own motives. And honestly, I I do think this is hard to do because we don't like to admit when we're acting selfishly. Mm. I mean, think about it. Your son or your children don't want to admit to acting in selfish ways, right, when they're little. I don't think we do much better when we grow up. (laughs) But it is a different way to think when you're surrounded by the people of God and you, you have to keep that motive of, am I doing this to honor God front and center? You know, especially like we've said already in the program, uh, since we see the opposite of it in our culture, it's difficult to keep examining your heart and motives, but it's necessary. And we have to be intentional about this, again, because it's easy to think differently when you're surrounded by people who don't have God in the picture. That's the difference, especially if you work in a secular setting where nobody's thinking the same way you are. So mm. you got to keep that in your mind. So this is why we, I think we have to daily renew our minds with the scripture. It keeps us grounded in our worldview. If we meditate on the grace and the mercy that God shows us in the gospel, that gives us a better focus. It reminds us that we did nothing to deserve God's favor, that we have been purchased by Jesus' blood, and that every good gift is really an extension of God's mercy, and it's supposed to be used for his glory. I think that's a theme we keep pounding, isn't it, that we're supposed to do this Mm. for the glory of God. We can pray for God to turn our eyes from looking at worthless things to gazing upon the true source of life and joy. Have you ever thought to pray like that? Say, God, help me help me to see you. I have now. (laughs) Well, we're making life change. That's That's good. That's right. The last question I think we should ask is, what am I pursuing? Is it fame or fortune, adoration, praise, something that elevates me? We want to be focusing on Christ. Over and over, we've been giving scriptures that talk about that. So remember, to live a quiet life means to live a faithful life, Hmm. not needing the spotlight, but embracing it. If God puts you in it, be content but at the same time, pursuing all that God has for you. You know, I'd like to close with this, Chris. The world tells us to make a name for ourselves, to be famous, to be successful, but God has a very different purpose. Perhaps the true danger of ambition isn't aiming too high, but maybe too low. 
Be ambitious for Christ. Use your talents and remember who gave them to you. Find what you love and where your talents lie and give it all you've got. You have nothing to lose, for Christ has given you everything. Aim high for heaven, for Christ's glory, and for Christ himself. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer and social media director, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.